This is AI Podcast, not artificial intelligence, agency intelligence. Our team's going to be 10 times stronger than all the other teams. A platform for agents. When people think of niche marketing, they're thinking so small scale. In real life agencies, sharing their thoughts. All you need to do is get in front of more people. To transform an industry. Better coverages, uh, better pricing, just better everything. Real. The difference between givers, takers, and matchers. Agents. I guess I took a slightly different path coming to the agency. I know a lot of agencies. You can partner your clients with those companies that are looking for that specific target market. This is AI Podcast. Are you ready? I am. Let's go. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another episode of Agency Intelligence Podcast, where I give you a real agent inside a real agency, giving you the real agency intelligence and not the artificial that they try to make you believe out there. So this is Cass, and I'm here with a nice special guest. Uh, and I, you know what, Kelsey, when we were in the green room, I didn't even ask you how to say your last name, and I saw <laughs> it where you filled it out uh, phonetically. But why? So I don't butcher it. Why don't you introduce yourself? First time ever, the guest is going to introduce themselves. Take it away, Kelsey. <laughs> well, hello. I am Kelsey Haney. Um, I manage quality assurance and agency training at Tricor Insurance. Yes, Tricor Insurance. I, I remember this now. It was funny right before we got on, loyal listeners, I said to her, I was like, so what was the reason what we were talking about that made me uh, say, hey, let's do this? And then she reminded me. And now I even remember it was Tricor, okay, when we were talking about this, because I know some other people who work or used to work there. So, um, so you are now, what did you say you do, your director of training? Yeah, so I manage quality assurance and uh, training. And it was a data conversation that I overheard you having. Uh, do you remember that uh, conversation, Kelsey? Yeah, I remember it well. I was um, chatting with um, our data analyst here at Tricor just about, you know, the good old um, good data in, good data out uh, conversation and the importance of auditing as a piece of our training program. Gotcha. Yeah. Boy, we are some straight geeks, aren't we, Kelsey? Straight up. Yeah. Yes. So, so tell me a little bit about you. So, I mean, uh, take me back to high school, diapers, whenever, bring me forward. How'd you get yeah, to where you are now? Yeah. So, um, I come from retail, like a lot of us in the industry do, I mm -hmm. think. Um, I worked in a training role for Bed Bath & Beyond for um, years and years and was one of the sick, twisted individuals who loved that uh, <laughs> retail life. Um, what do you love about it? Yeah. What? Yeah. Loved the people, loved the people and the challenge, um, merchandising. Yeah. Almost all of it. Okay. Just, yeah. just, just the challenge and dealing with people. Yeah. And the mm -hmm. selling, you yeah. know. So then yeah. what happened? Where'd you go from there? Yeah. So then, um, my husband and I got married and I was like, I cannot live this crazy retail life if we're going to have a family. So, um, truthfully just started thinking about like, what could I sell or train on from nine to five? <laughs> right. And uh, stumbled stumbled into insurance, was first in a sales role with American Family, and then found my way to Tricor. Okay. So you were in that cab. You were actually the agent for an American Family agency, or were you working just in the agency? Yeah, I was just working in the agency as a producer. 
-hmm. and then you and then you found Tricor, which is a very ginormous agency. How many people? Yeah. How large? How many employees is Tricor? Yeah, so we are growing all the time. Um, currently at thirty-one locations and three hundred-ish employees. That's what I thought. I thought it was yeah. two fifty plus. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's impressive. That's impressive. You guys are uh, the heads are doing something right there. Obviously. Sure. And so, so what, so, I mean, what do you, what gets you passionate about data? What do you see? How do you, you know, when you're dealing with training, um, how, uh, you know, let's rehash some of the conversation that you were having before. Yeah. Um, I think what really gets me going in terms of data is being able to see whether or not your training is effective. I think that's a, that's a challenge we have, um, as an industry, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, historically, it's been really like sink or swim, one size fits all on on a True. training approach. And it's difficult to gauge outside of, you know, errors that you happen upon what um, if, if your training has been effective, and then also training strategies uh, are formed by what the data tells us. So it's really critical um, in forming those strategies. So how, how are you collecting that data to, to, to create these strategies and to explain that more? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're on Applied Epic. And so we use um, the reporting functionality uh, that's available through, through Epic. So we look at, you know, it's not a science. Um, we do have to, you know, paint, fill in the, the pieces, so to speak, on creating that whole picture um, in terms of if somebody needs additional training or the training wasn't effective. But um, a lot of the activity reporting allows us to drill down on if the workflows are being followed, if there's, you know, an understanding on process, is it coverage, you know, that that's the piece missing. So we huh. lean into those reports. And do you guys have like uh, some kind of learning management system, something that like you guys use to actually... I don't know if I'm saying that right. I think they're called LMSs, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have a couple learning management systems that we use. So we are bringing on total CSR um, in the next couple months here, which we're really jazzed about integrating into mm -hmm. our program. Um, and then we also have another learning management system that we use to lay out training paths, uh, house content, that kind of thing. This is well. an internal one. It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was curious about that. I think LMSs are going to become more important. They're kind of that missing piece in the lack of training that we have as an industry. You know what I mean? That well, kind of what you're talking about. And, and I think yeah. it's, uh, right now it's something that larger agencies think about that it's going to filter down to where smaller agencies have to think about this as well in order to compete. Yeah. And you know what I think is really critical about having that LMS besides being able to, to create and deliver consistent content is that it really allows for transparency on the side of the new hire as well as the manager mm -hmm. or supervisor. They can really see, you know, what they're working through, what they've completed, and it allows them um, to sort of see a tangible trajectory as to where they're headed in their training. Do you guys use um, uh, virtual employees? You know, we don't yet. Um, it has definitely been a conversation. Uh, but but haven't pulled the trigger on anything in particular yet. Yeah, why don't you think? What do you? Why don't you think so? I'm I'm curious. Uh, 
Some large agencies of your size don't use them. Some of them couldn't work without them. What do you think is the difference there? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, obviously, we're at Applied Net uh, a couple of weeks ago and heard, you know, uh, anecdotes across that entire spectrum, right, on on size of agency and whether or not they're um, utilizing those virtual employees. I think one of the reasons we haven't gone there yet is we've been able to maintain with internal hires um, and have, uh, you know, been able to maintain just yeah. barely in terms of managing. Um, so, it, so it's a conversation as we grow. Um, is that something that we're going to le- have to lean into out of necessity? Whereas in this moment, you know, we're kind of teetering, I guess. I you know, say. you just bring up a good point. Maybe agencies, one not right, wrong or right, um, yeah. that uh, have an internal growth like you advocate for uh, Tricor to have. Uh, it doesn't necessarily need it because like your, those basic data jobs are sometimes the best training jobs, right? That then you move up. But if you're a, um, agency, maybe that that's not your focus is that internal growth, which is okay too. Maybe it comes from, Hey, we would hire somebody outside, you know, to bring them in and do fill in those data jobs rather than using them as stepping stones. I could see, I could see both theories being there and both of them being right. Makes sense, Kelsey? Absolutely. I would say that's spot on in terms of what we've been using those roles in that space for at this time. I mean, that's just so invaluable to kind of see the nuts and bolts um, prior to to getting in that account manager or producer role. Yeah, Yeah, it is. You know, one of my first jobs, um, I was paid $8 an hour and I was asked to to answer the phone. And um, I remember when they, I sat down in this, in this, in right in the front desk, right behind the desk, you know, this is 2001. And, and I sit down and they said, and the phone rings and it just keeps ringing. And this, the wife of the husband gets it. And the next time the phone rings, the wife gets it. And the husband comes out and says something to the effect of, if you would like to keep your job, you need to answer the phone. And I thought to myself, <laughs> and I said to them like, I don't know what to say, you know, but as you're talking about it, I figured it out quickly, you know, and I know that is not an official training thing, but it, it shows that there's, you just got to get in there sometimes and figure it out. And that's the way that it kind of used to be, you know, and some of those were the best jobs to have. And digital has eliminated a lot of those handwritten things that we used to have to do. Yeah. You bring up such a great point, right? That, um, like, learning on the job, right? Historically in this industry, the training program has been sit next to the successful producer until you are also successful. That's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think we're as an industry in this place of like really a reactive space, right? We have this, the great resignation uh, mm-hmm. that we're all dealing with and people reaching retirement age. And we have this real vacuum, right? Where we're, right. we're getting in this influx of new to industry hires and don't know what to do with them, right? right? Because they're not accepting of, and rightfully so, that sit here until you're successful no. uh, mantra. So as an industry really having to to pivot and learning that that one size fits all training program doesn't fit all. Yeah, right? it's really crazy. The the um, I have two 23-year-olds and one 24-year-old. Uh, the 24-year-old uh, does our personal lines and then two commercial lines on the 23-year-olds. And what I do notice about them 
is they they want to be told like the path. They want yes. to know what it is. Now, give them room because they wanna they want to do their own thing, but they want to know where the yeah. guardrails are and where are we going, you know? And I think, yeah. loyal listeners, it's important that you hear what Kelsey's saying and what I'm trying to say here is that they really do. And you got to think about it. It, it. These are my kid. One of them is my kid, right? It, it's the way that I raised them. It was like everything yeah. was set up for them, whether we tried to, you know, let them fall on their face or not. We as parents, you know, and so yeah. they're kind of accustomed to that. It's kind of like, hey, you need, you're going to play basketball or you're going to play a sport, but it's up to you to choose how, which sport you want to play, you know, what position you want to play, you know, that's up to you, but we're going that way. And then and they, they expect yeah. that now in the work area. What do you think, Kelsey? I think that's a thousand percent accurate. And, you know, one of the other things that we see, and I want to back up for just a second. Like, Come on, back I understand, it up. Beep, I, understand, beep, <laughs> I understand that completely, the wanting to understand, like, where am I headed? What is my trajectory? And I think it's so critical because they're trying to picture is this my career or is this right now? Right. Mm -hmm. And if we can't give them that roadmap, then what we're saying is, you know, your career trajectory is not clear mm -hmm. and, and that's, you know, stressful. You're so right. I think, um, yeah, we have to lean into that because you're right. Like if you give them the guardrails and, and the trajectory, they're like ready to rip and, right. and want to provide that immediate value. Um, so again, how do we do that? How do we allow them to be immediately valuable while understanding that this is an industry where you're learning like forever, right? You, you really never are. know everything. Right? Yeah. And I, and I think nursing can say that. Doctors can say that. But they can right? say, yeah, but it's a very small, minute thing. I mean, uh, you may see, I mean, a heart surgery is a heart surgery, right? Now, I'm not a heart right. surgeon here, loyal listeners, so please forgive me. But I imagine it's pretty routine, and then there's some weird situations that occur. That's my guess. In insurance, there's no one time that the process or the client reacts the exact same way. You know, I mean, it's... It just doesn't. It, everything is, and we try to create our own internal programs, right? Our own internal processes, but at, sometimes we have to bend those a lot. And that's actually sometimes where the best employees come from when they know it's okay as when we need to go outside the process to make sure that the client gets the uh, value and the expectation they are expecting, right? Absolutely. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. 
We flew to Columbia, we saw his operation, and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at Virtual Intel, that's with two L's, that's virtualintell.com. Go check us out, see what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology, delivered right into your agency, and you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recreating, trying to find processes. Just, there's so much stuff, I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel, cast certified. Yeah. And I think that's also the best training ground, right? Like the, the things that I remember most succinctly when I was new to the industry are the times that I royally screwed something up, right? (laughs) Because it was an out of the box situation. Um, So leveraging that and highlighting it as a learning opportunity instead of a pitfall, I think is another place where we can Mm -hmm. have the opportunity to build culture, but also give that psychological safety to those new to industry um, hires. It's the Jeff uh, Bezos thing of, um, uh, I think it's called failing forward or something like that. They have a, like he encouraged that, right? And and, and it was how the two day uh, shipping was, was brought into place was these people were trying to try something and they knew they couldn't figure it out but they tried but if you read um i can't remember exactly what book i was reading but they tell the story and they actually got it down to like three or four hours like they could get the uh, three to four days they could guarantee it right and you got to keep in mind this is in 2006 2005 which is amazing right and um but because that, they brought that forward and Bezos and his team encouraged them to talk about the things that they failed on. And one of those things got brought up. Well, then when it got brought up in front of the whole team, it was like, oh, well, all you have to do is this and this, and now we could get it to two hours. Well, it was a fact that they actually failed that brought that forward. If they would have been like everybody else and said, no, that's a failure. Let's not look at that or, or recognize it. So there's a lot that can be learned in that failure. So. I like what you mentioned in that falls right in line with, you know, I think Bezos is kind of right about a couple of things, and I don't know. I think at least a few. Yeah. A couple few, (laughs) a couple few. So, yeah. So, so anyways, anything else you want to share or, you know, something that you wanted to talk about that, uh, that, uh, I just wanted to, uh, expose the purpose of me having you on here was you had a dynamic conversation. I knew we would go along this line, but I just always like to expose the people out there that have the passion and the drive and the and the love and 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 I haven't asked you I don't think but you're you're very young and that's awesome and it's like uh, um, I, I just appreciated that and that's uh, you know, when yeah. when we started this podcast it was about giving a voice to those who have no voice and it's not that you don't have a voice you do in your organization but we want to make sure that the great things you're doing there do other organizations know about it right. You're going to have people that are going to reach out to you to say, Hey, help me do this or that. And then man, we're just, we're just pushing this great industry forward. Yeah. Just cooking with gas. I, yeah, I really appreciate the, the opportunity to, to be here for sure. Um, yeah. One of the things that we're really working at and I think is, um, pertinent to, uh, to lots of others in the industry right now is, is emphasizing our culture of learning. Right. And, um, maintaining culture as we grow at the rate that we're growing, um, you know, culture is your brand, mm-hmm. right? It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's your brand both internally and externally. And so we're really, 
um, working on building a training program that supports that culture, um, and then also working on um, a lot of M&A activity. So looking at um, how do we bring on agencies that have a similar culture, because that is something that's, um, you, I mean, you can train on it to an extent, but um, is, is either there or isn't, right? So mm-hmm. just culture as, as, um, as a push right now, for sure. It's either there, it's not. Um, uh, yeah. uh, Walmart says we don't hire or what is it? We don't train our people to be nice. We just hire nice people, right? Yeah. And that's the thing. Now, if you want that to be the culture, hire those specific people. It, it cuts down in your in your bucket, right, of who you can go after, but it 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 only sweetens the pot of the culture that 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 you're moving all this to. So. Culture yeah. is huge. And it used to be when we talk about this, like people's eyes would start to roll back in their head and get like glossy right. and shit, you know, but <clears throat> now it's something that I think people realize, like you can't expect your employee to be social at home, to have social friends, to be on social media communicating, to be at events like Applied or or wherever socializing, and then come to the office and the people that they're around for eight hours to nine hours to 10 hours a day, they're not supposed to be social and have some kind of cultural connection to how we run and we operate. That wouldn't make any sense, right? And so yeah, we, totally. we have a culture in our homes, right? With our kids and everything. Mm-hmm. It's a culture. That's who we are, you know? I a hundred percent agree. And I think when you talk about, um, you know, the, the great resignation and just this influx of new hires that the industry is experiencing, mm-hmm. um, if you have that, that solid, solid culture, right. It's a lot, um, harder for that person to leave, uh, for just more money, right. Because anybody can throw more money at them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the culture is what keeps people right. Totally. And it is, um, I think our greatest tool in the toolbox in terms of retention is totally. building connection and a culture that they God, don't want to quit. I hope people are listening to you right now and really paying attention. <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, my my dudes, huge. I call them the dudes. That's these three guys. I call them the dudes. Yeah. And and they, they, they're not going anywhere. And they, oh, I got so mad, took them to a conference. Um, I won't mention the company. It was a company meeting. And like my, my, my guys are coming back and dudes are like, yeah, this guy just uh, offered to, you know, to hire me. And this guy offered to hire me and, and we get back and a couple people have called them and stuff. And it's like, man, I mean, at least do me the honor of, I mean, don't attack them the first time you ever meet them, you know, cause they've only been doing this like a year and a half, but they're killing it and they're doing good jobs. Right. They're not Mm -hmm. leaving me to go somewhere somewhere else. I mean, they're just not. The yeah. the culture and the funness that we have. We have putting greens and and you know in our in our office office and bags that we throw across the thing. We're getting ready to we're trying to find a new place to go to and we yeah. ha- are having a hard time because we need something that has big enough ceilings that we can bring our golf simulator into. I'm serious. That is a it. requirement of our office. You Necessary. know, and and yeah. and dude, we we pump out more insurance and more phone calls than anybody else does, but we have a good damn time doing it as well. You know. Yeah, work hard, play hard, right? I mean, that's that's huge. I think it's a lot harder if you've developed that relationship and you've developed that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot harder for a new hire to have to look me in the face when they know me, and and quit. 
Um, you know, there's that whole quiet quitting thing, you know, that quiet um, quitting. you see circulating. I had all never heard that actually. Right oh good. yeah. That's a big, big topic of conversation. Basically, uh, the idea that people are just like doing bare minimum work, um, you know, and not, and not right. seeking additional challenge. But again, that's a non issue. If you've built a connection with your staff where they are hungry, right. Yeah. And know they can come to you for more. Kelsey, you need to write a blog that we put out on agency intelligence's blog. That's called the, the, the quiet, uh, quiet quitting. I'm serious. That's <laughs> cool. Work on it. Yeah. I hear a lot of, I hear a lot of people talk about that and I think that's, uh, I don't think that, I hear a lot of people talk and I, I've never really heard that before. And that sounds great. And you know, you talk about the great resignation. I've also yeah. heard it's the great retirement. I also right. heard it's the great reshuffle, right? Yeah. Reshuffle. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. There was another one. There was four of them that I heard. The great, uh, uh, it was another R. But the point was, okay. is there was these four R's that were going around and it was true because they're all true, right? Some of it, some of it just, uh, COVID just forced people into retirement, right? Right. I was talking to a lady and this made me, this kind of made me change my own gears getting off here on a second. But the lady said to me, she said, she said, Jason, I'm one of those people that used to work in the restaurant cooking the hamburger and I don't do it anymore. And I said, mm -hmm. oh, really? And she said, yeah, because now I, when I was getting $16, $17 an hour sweating in the kitchen, she says, now I drive in my car and I deliver that same burger through Uber and I'm making around $23 to $26 an hour and I get to make my own hours and I get to sit in the car and listen to my own music and I'm my own boss. Why would I go do that? And it made me realize it's like, wow, these people aren't just like not wanting to work. They really yeah. literally reshuffled, right? They literally yeah. was like, well, I'm not doing that anymore. I can do this, right? And yeah, so crazy to, to think about that. And then it makes you wonder, where do these people come from? Where do we get these people so that we actually can use all the tables in the restaurant, right? How many right. times do we go to the restaurants now and you're like, what do you mean there's a waiting list? Like half the, half the, half the restaurant's <laughs> empty, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so much empathy for the people who are still there, right? So, Sister. Yeah. Empathy. And that's mm. another thing that has to be, it's almost it's training ground, right? Empathy, yeah. emotional intelligence, becoming something that really actually drives culture. When you have people totally. who have emotional intelligence, the culture is a lot easier to or create. Um, what do you think about that as we wrap up? Empathy. Is that something that you guys train towards? Is that something you guys teach or hire for? Yeah. Um, when I train on the claims process specifically, I walk through a little acronym uh, that's LEAD, and we talk about listening, empathizing, apologizing, and delivering a solution. Come for the on, client. girl. Um, right? Preach it. Yeah. Um, Let yeah. me pull up a chair so you can get up there and <laughs> preach on that mountain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think empathy is a cornerstone, not only in like our claims process and just our day-to-day -day interactions with clients. Um, it, you know, it's a critical piece when we're talking about maintaining the humanity of the workplace, right? Mm -hmm. Empathy with each other, empathy for the client. Um, yeah, it goes, it goes a really long way in building connections, which is what, I mean, it's all about, right? That's right. It's all about, <laughs> all about the connections, all about the connections. 
Hey, Kelsey, I really appreciate your time. What a fantastic yeah. conversation. I think uh, the loyal listeners got a lot out of this. Exactly what I thought it would heard when I was overhearing the conversation that you were just ranting and raving about. I said, <laughs> I love someone who can rant and rave. See if she can rant and rave yeah. more than me. Why don't you come on my hey. podcast? <laughs> so, hey, Kelsey, thank you very much. Uh, Tricor is lucky you. to have you. Thanks so much. Thanks for the opportunity. And loyal listeners, you know what I do because I do it for you. Tell me your thoughts. Tell me your ideas. And I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This is Cass. She is Kelsey. And we are out.